Geekly Yoked is a proud member of the Crossover Nexus. To find more blogs and podcasts about the intersection of faith and pop culture, check out crossovernexus.com. Tell them Bilbo sent you. So many ways to say I love you in different languages across the land. You haven't heard them all, so I'll tell you as only a true geek can. Hello and welcome to Geekly Yoke, the world's best married Christian geek podcast. I'm Lehman Kessler. And I'm Rachel Kessler. That's Mother Kessler. I am a priest here in the Episcopal Diocese of Ohio and the chaplain at Kenyon College. And I have a PhD in medieval literature, which pretty much all make me a giant nerd. And I am an H.P. Lovecraft impersonator, affiliate uh, with the Kenyon College Dance, Drama, and Film Department, and a stay-at-home dad who spends uh, too much time playing video games, according to our friend who just posted a thing about how guys in their 30s have low skills and spend too much time playing video games. Who which posted is possi- this? This, this, this uh, is a sociological report which pretty much did the, the heavy... D- duty like digging and number crunching to discover that gamergate exists wait what yes look looking essentially looking this is at... the problem you don't believe a bunch of women that they're being harassed on the internet and you need like data to prove to you that like sad guys are sitting around in their houses not engaging with like the real world and heaven forbid someone touch their precious games truth so, so how did the, they use data to prove the they're looking? Exists? They were looking at, like, labor, people in the labor force and people not in the labor force and people not seeking, people who have not, who have been out of the labor force for a while and do not seem to be actively looking for labor and found a high correlation with living with parents or, and or family and video game usage. Okay. So. Well, you do have game. a family and... You, we all need to unwind sometimes. It's true. So I don't think you play too many I tried to ar- computer I, games. I tried to argue that the games I play are infotaining, and 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 that was that was challenged in court <laughs> by whom? Uh, by by our friends, you know. Okay. I I I don't think they consider you know games where you're trying to you know make it through the uh, post-apocalyptic wasteland to be particularly infotaining. So- Not like honey bears. Did you have honey bears? What's honey bears? I think, was it the honey bears, the ones who taught you, like, the reading and... I think they taught grammar. I had Mario teaches typing. Mario teaches typing made me cry. <laughs> that is not a joke. That is not a joke. Ladies and gentlemen, I had a hard time figuring out typing and how to type. And so my mom got they me just Mario... They laughed te- at you? My mom got me Mario teaches typing, and I tried to do it, and... It, it was beating me, and I cried. And eventually I discovered... Uh, what did I discover? Oh, I discovered a Discworld MUD. A text-based online role-playing game. And it... it Because of the way it was structured and the way the text would constantly yeah. be scrolling up and down the screen, I had to learn how to type without looking at the keyboard. And that is where I have learned to type. Okay. My, my, my many months of trying to... I still don't know if I actually know how to type. Well... I mean, yeah. I just do. Yeah. But well, like, I think a lot of us do, right? Well, we're a generation that grew up with, with I am, right? Before like, I still think it's phones. funny that there was the whole, like, hand-wringing when I was in high school about whether you needed to take typing or not. And there were... And I think we just we just type. 
well, yeah, I think we, we all figured it out, right? We yeah. all figured out, like, the speed. You know, none of it, not, none of us are taking dictation anymore, right? right? Man, do you remember taking dicta- like taking dictations I in class? I did not have to do that. We had to do that. We had to sit there with a pen while the teacher, like, read from a chapter. What, what, what useful life skill did this teach you? I guess being someone's secretary? I don't know. All were I you kn- at a pro- but you were at, like, a fancy private school. You were... I was at a school where we were being trained to be your secretaries. <laughs> All I'm saying is that in sixth grade, I was once again brought to tears... <laughs> by trying to do these dictation exercises because for a while we used my mo- mom gave me these erasable pens do you okay. remember these things they were uh, we had no. we had strange strange uh, writing implements i would only use mechanical pencils and for a period of time i would only use these awful erasable pens they wrote in a really sad ink and they had an eraser at the end that okay. you could use to like sort of erase them. Not really. Right. Because it's still a pen, so you're still stabbing at the paper, leaving gouge marks. Right. Uh, but yes, but the, the pens, they would dry up when you were doing dictation. And so I would start trying to like follow along and then it would dry up and I what? would start what crying. What did you achieve by having to do this? Hi, well, sorry. I, thank I, you. For the I didn't achieve a lot because I was just crying. Uh, but I, I don't thi- do well with busy work. <laughs> I think I think the idea was, well yes busy work was part of it but I think it was to like get your you know motor skills and like listening and I don't know I I, I in in all I my time in teaching college I never to had do to do it. verbatims. Oh, which ones were verbatims? Uh, verbatims are when you're in like pastoral training and you have a pastoral conversation with someone and then you have to like try to remember it word for word and write it out and then you have to act it out. And, and sort of psychoanalyze it and yourself. Basically, yes. And, and yeah. You know what sounds a lot more fun than any of these things? Bustin' Ghosts. Bustin' makes me feel good. We can't sing it. We can't, I wasn't singing it. I was saying it in an ironically detached manner. There's Joel McHale on a car commercial. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are we have the Olympics playing right now, and yes, it does appear that uh, television's Joel McHale is now in car commercials because you know you gotta you gotta do what you can. We are also going to apologize, ladies and gentlemen, because our dog is in a mood this evening. Our dog is in a mood. Our child is in a mood. Just Everyone in our family is in mood. School is about to start up, and I think just everything is yeah. a little, uh, little high energy. But we did manage to leave the house and go see a movie. We did! We saw a Ghostbusters movie, the, the new Ghostbusters, which I does it have like a little like... It's like side name as well, like I don't think it. I think it's just Ghostbusters 2016. Okay, because I saw because during the credits there was like Ghostbusters like reach the call or attend the call what? or something weird like that. Maybe there's like a tagline or something. Maybe okay. Um, but we thought it would be an interesting uh, opportunity for talking about representation in media. Well, because I, yes. the Ghostbusters 2016 have not gotten the best like response from the internet well it's gotten the weird response right it's gotten that that strange it got that weird sort of like you know frou-frou that i never know how to take seriously right well i'm not i'm not suggesting we take it seriously i'm just suggesting that we address it well no it's definitely there but a a friend of mine has an interesting uh, quotient which is when looking at some sort of you know 
controversy or problem. Mm-hmm. You look at the number of people who actually hold such problematic views, like the fact that there's a female Ghostbusters is a problem. Uh, and you divide it by the number of people talking about it. Mm. And if it doesn't reach a certain level, then is it that much of a problem? So, like, if 10 guys are online complaining about female Ghostbusters, but everyone is is making a furor about it, is that really important compared to, like, if there is an actual problem that no one right. is talking about that is really going on? Fair enough. Uh, Fair so enough. And, and it's hard to gauge, right? And, and, you know, for a while I joked that it seemed like there was a, a secret PR company uh, that, uh, that I figured should call itself Faux Rage that was you know, going into forums and talking about how awful Mad Max was and how they're going to boycott Mad Max or they're going to boycott Star Wars and thus creating this anti-sexist sort of, like, energy as people sort of, Maybe. you know, want to talk about it. Because it, because it just, it felt that way, right? There would be, like, a little blip of of anger at, at you know, the new Star Wars or Rogue One and, you know, one blogger Except I would... feel like both Mad Max and Ghostbusters is pretty sustained. Was it okay? Yeah. I, see, I, yeah. I, because Mad I, Max, especially. I I, have, I no longer go and troll the awful oh, I feel parts like you're of the growing internet. Growing as a person. <laughs> I just I have a daughter and I don't have enough time. <laughs> I need to play my infotainment games. <laughs> uh, but so so it's I, it's hard for me to see what the real size of this stuff is. Like Twitter is awful, and I think we all saw GamerGate was awful. Uh, and I mean, even you like posted something very mild and like, oh, yeah. instantly like hit by like it really was crazy. So like that was like definitely like a sustained weird campaign, and it it, it got bright bar. But I mean, going. there was the whole thing. Um, there was the whole uh, Twitter attack on the woman. Who, oh, that's uh, right. Uh, whose name I can't remember. The actress who's in Ghostbusters. Leslie. Leslie. Warren? I think Leslie Ann Warren may be the name of... Leslie Ann Warren is a... Uh, <laughs> the actress from an, Clue. Is an actress from Clue, yes. Anyway, um, you know, no, there, that that was... And that also had a Gamergate connection because... What? Yeah, uh, because part of the, the guy who was uh, attacking her was uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, who became... He wasn't, like, one of the first Gamergate guys, but he was, like, kind of hitched on Leslie board. Jones. Leslie Jones. We are a professional organization here at Geekly Oak. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, and he actually got banned from Twitter because, I saw that, because yes. of that. So, so there is it's all right. So again, is it all like the same? Like, yes, it is. Terrible people. They're just again, very again, loud on the internet. They are very loud. So, uh, but Ghostbusters, do we want to do like our thoughts on Ghostbusters, and then? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I felt like it was more of a bridesmaids movie with. I liked it better than bridesmaids. But I, I felt like it had like. Here is a series of jokes I, Paul Fagg, want to make. Right. With these actresses. Uh, there will be a plot, but that's really, the point is not really to tell this story. The point right. is to make these series of jokes. And you could say any comedy is really just about I, making I a series of jokes. I don't think it's quite fair to say that it's, I mean, it was not, it didn't feel like it was gimmicky. I mean, it felt like more than, I, I agree that it was funny, and I think it was funnier and more intentionally, like, in the vein of a comedy than the original Ghostbusters, but I think that there was, like, it didn't just feel like a joke delivery system. I, I mean, I, the, the, it, there fe it felt like there were actually characters. Oh, I, I definitely think there were characters, and I think what has been 
made, I think what has really lent to the longevity and success of the film is how people have attached to the characters, especially Holtzman. Yes, right? well, that's and, a conversation we can get into. And later, yeah. the chemistry between the characters. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it's just, like, I'm not saying these are sort of cardboard cutouts. or that it's, Right. Even if it's something like Airplane, right? Like, Airplane is just a joke delivery yeah. mechanism, but it's a really funny joke delivery mechanism, right. and you don't care that the characters are cardboard. I, I don't think it's like that. I think, like with Bridesmaids, where you did have... It's these true. these real relationships, yeah, or yeah. or sisters, right? Yeah, there were these real relationships That's being fair. looked at, but it's also an excuse to get these really funny people in a room together and have them tell jokes and be funny, yeah. and kind of do repeated kind of gags again and again. Like the, I like guess the what I gags. I guess what I feel like with both something like Sisters or Bridesmaids is that those types of comedies always end up being like fairly scatological okay <laughs> yes or or just a little bit crass and crude and this didn't it felt a little cleaner they did cover uh they did cover Kristen Wiig in a lot of slime and point out it's how true. much slime they were covering her it's in. true i'm just saying it just there was something about it that didn't feel like well they were rated r right and they were yeah. and they were going for a, a, a slightly different feel uh, and, and had the license to do, you know, sort of more But it was out, a very, yeah, it wasn't gross out comedy. And I guess I feel like so much comedy these days is just so gross out. Maybe that's what I'm responding oh, okay. to. Okay. No, I, I think that's fair. But I, I feel like comparing it with the original Ghostbusters where you are following, you're following the, the, the sort of the character of Sigourney, you know, Sigourney Weaver's character. Yeah in a much more direct, straightforward way that I felt was not present here. I don't know. I mean, you're you're following Kristen Wiig's character and her desire for legitimacy and, like, academic reputability. Okay. And this is, this is a bit of a back and forth and disagreement uh, is why I kind of wanted to talk about it because we came out of this film with very different responses. We both Did enjoyed we? it. I think so, yeah. Because we were already arguing in the parking lot. About what? We, we were having this argument in were the parking lot. Were we having this lot. argument yes. in the parking lot? Where, 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 where I've, I felt like it was essentially a joke delivery mechanism and you felt like that, that was somehow denigrating it. Well, no, but I think, I mean, I think Kristen, may, maybe it's because I have an academic background and maybe it's because I relate to like a lot of what was going on there. But I mean, I, I think that, that the driving issue is her her desire for respectability and that and that feeds into her relationship with abby and that's the conflict between their characters and i and i mean it's it's summary fluff i'm not going to deny that but i mean it felt like there was something there was something there well and i and let's let's dig into that because a big thing that was there is the fact that this is an all-females ghostbusters film and this is a big budget action comedy just yeah. fluff movie that really wasn't about them all being the female ghostbusters like that didn't play into it right well, it wasn't that, about them being women at all yeah i mean it wasn't that they're being women it was just it, was, it, it it did it right yes it was not like the fact that they were they were obviously women but they weren't just women yeah well, in the same way that the Ghostbusters can just be a bunch of dudes, and it's not like oh, a bunch of dudes. Like, well, there's... I was trying to remember, and I was thinking about this earlier today, and I couldn't figure out if I was like, should there be a reverse Bechdel test? Okay. For guys, right? Like, how so? Like, did if there were a Bechdel test for men, 
that there needs to be two men with names talking to each other about something not a woman. Okay. Does this movie pass that? I, I, as in... Like, were there at any point in this movie two male characters with names talking about something other than women, i.e. other than the Ghostbusters? Oh, I see what you're saying. So, so not... Okay. Yes. Uh, the uh, Ed, Ed Begley Jr. and his and little... And his little friend. Did they talk assistant? about the ghosts? I feel like they had some, like, back and forth about peeing. Yeah. And whether he peed his pants or not. Yeah. But... <sighs> And then did uh, did the villain ever the villain have a weird like conversation with? I honestly don't remember. Yeah, there wasn't a lot. Um, but I'm just I'm I'm thinking about how interesting it is that so many blockbusters, so many summer big movie openings can easily produce a film that cannot pass the Bechdel test. And oh yeah, even in this movie with four strong female leads that is very much about them. It still seems like there's enough of a male presence that if there were a male Bechtel test, it still would have passed it. Right. No, I, I, I think I, precisely. Right? I do, yeah. That's what I think is fascinating. Oh, yeah. Well, sure. Because if men men talking about anything is normalized, right? Yeah. And and women, <laughs> that, that, that we haven't reached that, that place, unfortunately, uh, at least in big sort of mainstream films like this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 coming out of that film, I think I, it seemed like you had a very strong response. Well, I mean, and this is where where I wanted to talk about this issue of representation, which I feel like we've talked about in a number of ways before. And we had our whole, you can go back and check out our whole episode on intersectionality and um, the media. But I guess what I'm, I guess that episode was mostly about how it's often done so wrong. And a a lot of the times when we have this conversation, it's about the problems of representation in media. And I think what it seemed worth addressing with something like Ghostbusters is seeing it done right and seeing it done so well, Um, at least for, at least for white women, I guess we could talk about. Uh, racial dynamics. Well, I guess again with later. The, with I'm the... like, it's a, the unfortunate thing about like needing to have a reboot of Ghostbusters and having these four characters that you're mapping onto four new characters is that you are stuck with like the racial politics of the of the late '80s. Yeah, where like the one person of color is the fast talking New Yorker. Yeah, or well, even Ernie Hudson. Like they didn't. They well, didn't... there's that whole article that went around a while oh, back yeah? about how like there was. Um, there was a whole article going around about how originally, apparently, his part was much bigger. Oh. And then, like, it was after he had already signed on and after they started shooting that he didn't come in until, like, a third of the way through the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Because I was going to say, like, you know, they, they, I'll they find, don't... I'll try to find that article to put it in the show notes. It's I, To my memory, it's not played up in the same, like, you may be scientists, but I know New York. And that's... You mean Ernie Hudson's character? Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think it was played yeah. up that way. I think it was well, just like I feel like I, I feel like the whole uh, "you're a scientist, but I know New York" thing was at least trying to give her character some kind of expertise, maybe. Sure. Like, like what is her? I feel like it was trying to like give her an obvious thing that she brings to the group, but it still felt a little yeah sketchy. Very much so. Which is, again, why it's not... So, go back to our intersectionality (laughs) episode, because as we talk about, like, the great representation of female characters, and to talk about Holtzman and the representation of a queer character, uh, you can go back and we'll we'll just acknowledge that 
This stuff is hard. Much, and it's, this stuff is hard and, and much. And I think it's particularly hard for women of color. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That I think, I mean, if you look at something like Star Wars, you have the black male protagonist and the white female protagonist. And the, the woman of color gets to be The an woman alien. of color gets to hide behind motion capture, right? So I just, just to throw that out there. So this was going back to your question of my very strong positive. Well, again, response. you I think you responded to it in a in a very very strong way that I I didn't because I I did not grow up a little girl who did not see, you know, herself represented in action figures. Well, and, and I think it's one movies. of those things that you don't even realize how absent it's been until you see it and it's just it's profound. Yeah. And I had it's it's very similar to the reaction. I, I can't remember whether we talked about this in the Force Awakens episode that we did. But I mean seeing Ray up there on the screen was just imagining what my childhood would have been if I'd had that. Yeah. And it sounds stupid cuz I mean it's Star Wars, <laughs> but Star Wars was massively important in my life. Star Wars is like one of the the constants of my life and it was very much a part of my identity and to not to always have to make that extra leap of seeing yourself in the boys roles is is exhausting and tiring and and you're always having to apologize for being a girl even to yourself Mm. is what i sorry i'm not supposed to depersonalize by speaking in the second person but like in my experience, I was always wanting to apologize for being a girl. Okay. And I didn't want to be a girl because yeah. girls didn't get to do cool things. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking about it. I'm very comfortable in my gender identity. I do not think that I am in any way not a, like I am, I am very comfortable as a cisgendered female person. I'm not saying that like I ever felt that I was not a girl. Yeah. But I did not want to be a girl. Well, and and, yeah. and and it felt like girls didn't get to do fun things. Girls, yeah, had to apologize for being girls and doing anything interesting. And and I think, I mean, obviously there's a lot of societal baggage that goes along with that, but I think the representation in media plays a huge part of that. Um, I remember being a kid playing Ninja Turtles with my cousins, and I always had to play April. I couldn't, I couldn't even play Splinter. They wouldn't even let me play Splinter. <laughs> I always had to be April. Um, and so I think it, to see, and if there was a girl, there was only one. I mean, this goes back to the Smurfette principle, right? If there was a girl in the group, there could be one of them that has to represent all of female kind. And so to just see women on screen in sci-fi horror genre stuff being women together and having relationships together and not be and this goes this this goes i think beyond even star wars um because again this is women acting together as women and women uh busting ghosts as women um and doing so in a way where they are never um, put in the male gaze. I mean, I think it's very interesting that, you know, Liam Hensworth, Chris, Chris, Chris Hensworth, Thor, Thor's character, um, where he is the one who is objectified and sexualized, if anyone is. Oh, yeah. Um, and what I, what I think is amusing is it's only by Kristen Wiig's character, right? It's not <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I think that's what makes it less threatening or more 
okay because I'm not saying the answer is that like well and she's men. called on it and right? she's she's called on it and she never does she never uses it she never sexually harasses him and she never tries to, like um Bill Murray's character in the original Ghostbusters who was trying to like Mac on Sigourney Weaver's character. Oh, yeah. And like the first night he walks her home trying to get into her apartment and refusing to leave so yeah. that she has to physically slam the door in her in his face, right? There's no expectation on the part of Kristen Wiig. Uh, there's no entitlement to his sexuality sure. on the part of Kristen Wiig. There is passive enjoyment of his physical presence in the space. Um, and again, it's it's by only her character. None of the, the other three are indifferent. Um, so I think again that just to see women not having to be, not having to be attractive, not having to, not being defined by their sexual sexuality was just. It, it is hard for me to articulate how meaningful and impacting that is, even at. 34 years old. I can only imagine how how much more that would be to, to younger women. Well, and, and the attractionness is not made into, or lack thereof, was not made into a joke, right? It just was a non-entity. It well, I mean, I like... think I, what I loved all oh, the moment, I knew I was going to love the movie when Kristen Wiig's character is up for tenure and, you know, she's talking to the old white dude who is dressed like a frumpy old white dude and she's coming up for her tenure review and she's in her frumpy academic clothes presumably because that's what she felt she had to wear to be taken seriously in the academy and then he tells her she needs to rethink her wardrobe coming and you're like this is women cannot do and it was not and i mean i think what the audience was supposed to see it was supposed to see that not as oh ha ha she's a frumpy ugly betty type and we can spend the whole show laughing at her until she you know impresses us with her heart takes off her glasses um, and <laughs> but uh but that to see that comment for the absurdity that it was right and and that these women were just able to be women without being defined by their attractiveness or lack thereof they it was just it was that we don't exist here to be physically appealing to you um as i said this was not a this was not a movie made for the male gaze no uh, in fact, that, that does bring us to Holtzman. Oh, yeah. And the assertion that she exists for the female gaze. Uh, I, definitely on my Facebook wall, <laughs> it, like every one of my lady friends who has seen Ghostbusters it now is Team Holtzman. Yeah. Well, particularly people who are uh, who are either gay or bi um, are talk about that seeing that same representation in a character like Holtzman. Right, say seeing this character who is never like uh, her sexuality is never made an issue of, or even never, mentioned. Well, that's what's so brilliant about it. And this gets me. Sorry, I, this is my rant. Of clearly, this is this should just be like Lady Rachel's Lady Chains episode number. Like, ghost Ghost Rattle Chains. Um, so you know, but uh, Ghost Rattling Rachel's Lady Chains. Um, but the uh, the the whole stupid Stephen Moffat thing. Mm. And Stephen Moffat's, uh, the characters in Doctor Who, whose names, I'm not even going to bother. Lizard Lady. Lizard Lady and and her, like, weird wife slash servant, not creepy at all, who are, have exactly the same dynamics as the married lesbian couple in Jekyll. Yeah, Which was just super creepy that this is what, uh, Stephen Moffat Stephen Moffat sees in a lesbian relationship. 
But it just that always that drove me crazy because I think I only watched one episode with uh, dude Capaldi. Capaldi, yeah, because I just was turned off of it when they just kept every other line. It's like the two of them were talking about how they were married. We're married, by the way. By the way, did you know that we're married? By the way, did you know that we're married? And that like the fact that we are a lesbian couple has to come up in every conversation. When, why does it matter? I guess it's weird because I'm going on this whole thing about how amazing it is that Holtzman is obviously a queer character, but it also doesn't matter fundamentally for the awesomeness of her character and what she has to do. So they, they made a character who is obviously not straight, but didn't have to like make that the defining aspect of her character with, with, without it being some sort of uh, hiding in a closet, you know, don't throw it in our face. Right. Like, no, was, it was th- obvious. It, yeah. And, and it was, it was very subtly done and very well done. And, and this I think, was not a stupid JK Rowling. Gandalf was gay the whole time, but I'm only going to say that after the book sales. Gandalf or Dumbledore. Did I say Gandalf? You did say Gandalf. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> Dude. Tropey wizard McTroperson. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my point is that that bugged me a lot because she waited just a, like she waited like a week after the Deathly Hollows was released and she had all of her book sale money before saying that Dumbledore was gay. So she kind of got to have her cake and eat it too. No, precisely. And, and I was not cool with that. Yeah, and, and, and I think, you know, gay representation, queer representation in, in film and television is its own weird to do. Yes. Right? You know, like if this if, the, if this were a standard film, a Holtzman would have died in the, you know, most likely. Right, yeah. And, uh, I, and I don't want to speak for, like, we are both straight, and I do not, but I'm, I'm just echoing back the sentiments that I have heard from people on the interwebs and the Facebooks. Yeah, well, and friends of ours, right? You yeah. Know, who, who, and I think, you know, that's what it boils down to with representation and the need for representation is having relationships, you know, where you see that need and you see that desire. Well, and I think seeing people who share your identities represented as whole human beings is, and that, that should that should go without saying, but if you are not a white male a straight white male you don't get to see that very often and 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 i think what's fascinating is the more that we are getting that and the more we are getting a broader representation in media the more i am realizing how absent it's been even though cognitively i've known that it's been absent emotionally i'm realizing how absent it's been well, and, I, and, and, I, and I think it's it's easy to ignore it and overlook it as as a straight white dude, right? You don't, you know, notions of representation don't strike you. you well, just, and you I think it's like as as a white woman, I have to constantly remind myself that it's not enough to see more privileged white women in media, but to think of all of the other various ethnicities and religious identities and um, gender identities that need greater representation well and it's so funny because you know there's the the anecdote of how boys will complain and say that women are uh, taking over something when women are taking over like 10 percent yeah right you know the 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 classroom complains to the teacher that oh you're only calling on girls when she's called all girls 
50% or less yeah. of a time. And I think that's so true. You know, it, it's there only needs to be a little bit, A, for it to matter, yeah. and B, for there to be just violent backlash. Yeah. You know, I'm joking about how, like, oh, it seems like there's only 10 people complaining about it, but it's it's still this constant beating back and this constant told, being told you're asking too much and you are demanding too much and Hillary Clinton. Mm. Um, sorry, did mm. I cough? I think I maybe need did some I water. cough a little bit. I might need <laughs> yeah. a little bit of water for my. Um... And and this stuff just builds and builds and builds and builds. And I think it it's and and, and it becomes this background radiation. Which again, if you don't have relationships with people, if you don't open yourself up to viewing women as people, people of color as people, you know, it, it's it's very difficult and. And the internet depersonalizes so many things and makes it, you know, it, it interconnects a lot of different types of people groups, but it also robs a lot of humanity. And you wind up in these amazing shouting matches and there's a, a it, it kills empathy, right? I think relationship builds that and just sort of feeling attacked or feeling, you know, falling back in this, this toxic radiation that makes you feel like, oh, my little, <laughs> me having to give up so little feels like a lot when it really isn't um what you're having to give up being the default precisely right and i think that is it's just one of these invisible things and it's hard to see how much of life that impacts but when you are always the default to suddenly realize that you cannot always be the default and having to do that uncomfortable work of constantly checking yeah right and it is uncomfortable but Boy, if you're more privileged you are, the more you need to get over it. Pretty much. I don't know. Good times. Good times indeed. Do we have more to say about Ghostbusters? Do we recommend know. it to people? I totally recommend it. And it, it is I, a lot of fun. And there's just the the I can think of seven uses of a cadaver today. <laughs> That's still gonna be just one of my favorite lines <laughs> ever. Well, and again, it's it's a no brainer, right? You essentially take I think every everyone but uh but uh, McCartney was from Saturday Night Live. Right. You know, so you have people who are proven comedians, which again... But McCartney is also a proven comedian. Well, but, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm but thinking specifically from, from like, yeah. the improv sketch comedy yeah. world. You, you take, you know, known funny people, you put them in a film, and you let them be funny. I mean, that's what Ghostbusters did, right? Yeah. You know, that was, you know, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray just riffing off each other. Yeah. And it, it worked, and it was fun. And that's been a proven, it's been a proven thing. Uh, so it's sort of annoying that it's, you know, it's, and I guess this stuff comes in waves, right? I mean, there, you know, but it, it feels like it's, it's taking a long time, especially if that, you know, there was this kind of dearth in the 2000s when we, we began to lose oh. some of our, I don't know, feminism became a lot more threatening or... Yeah, well, I mean, I think we've gone on this certainly on this podcast about how like the 90s was this era of hope and optimism. And we thought by having like a a black couple in Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, we had solved (laughs) racism. Uh, And then realizing that, oh, wait, this actually does take work. And I think it is that those of I mean, I was sort of joking about how those of us from more privileged backgrounds need to get over it. But it's kind of true. And I think we have been... We're at the point now when we realize that that real representation, real equality, I guess we'll we'll put this like purely just in the realm of like media representation does mean that those from more privileged 
spaces and identities are going to have to cede some of that space to people from other backgrounds and other identities. I mean, and that's and that's where the tension is, right? Oh, yeah. Because it was a lot easier when we could just say, oh, we'll make new spaces for women and people of color and other minorities when actually it's like, no, we have to give, we, we actually are going to have to give up something in order to, to make real equality. And that's, that's the tension. Well, and, and you that's see that's a lot harder. And you see that same tension in various faith traditions, right? Mm-hmm. There's this, there's an actual argument, which I've heard people that I respect, maybe a little less after I hear them make the argument, but they make, which is, you know, when you put, allow women, allow, you know, again, this yeah. idea that we have the power and we're giving it to you. But essentially, once women begin taking authority. Then suddenly there's all kinds of cooties in the church. Well, then, yeah, then boys won't want to go into it. Yeah. Once you allow, you know, women to to be in the altar guild or women to participate oh, in these things. women. Women have always been the altar guild. What did I mean then? What am I thinking of? Acolytes. Yeah. Yeah, but this idea of, yeah, once, you know, once suddenly women are in a profession, then You've ruined it because boys won't want to be there anymore. But then I think about that myself, right? I mean, I think about how I grew up without any women to look to. Sure. For um, authority, like how, like, I, it never even occurred to me that I could be a pastor. Yeah. Like, it never crossed my mind. Um, And I mean, it was coming, it was at Kenyon when we had, I think, starting our second year a chaplain came. Oh yeah. Who was a woman and I saw a woman preaching for the first time and it was like it was amazing to me how even for me it took me a little while to get used to it mm. because I had not seen a woman in that role, right? Like yeah. I had to reshift something in my brain, but at the same time it opened up a whole new idea of like I don't know, it was, it was fairly shocking. It's like seeing a lady pilot but I mean, I think that was one of the great things that Star Wars did is that, you know, Star Wars actually like Star Wars took the effort of making sure the background players were yes. diverse. Oh, yeah. Right. And I think that's huge is because so many films can easily put uh, a character here or a character there. But to actually make sure that all those bit people who only have one line who are flying around X-Wing fighters in the background to get diverse representation there, I think was really significant. No, and it's and it's, and it's very clever. and just shows that 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 extra bit of intentionality going through this. But I think it's well, just yeah. to to see yourself in any of these roles just oh, like makes it that much easier to see yourself differently and see what you're capable of differently. That's very true. And that's why, regardless of politics, we should be able to be happy that there's. But we have had an African-American president, and we could potentially have a female president. No, that's very true. And, and I th- again, I think that that toxic backlash occurs across all lines, right? I mean, I think we've seen it. We've definitely, you know, seen it uh, just even within, the, you know, the Democratic side of things. And, and we saw it, you know, we saw the sexist backlash against female politicians like Michelle Bachman mm-hmm. and, and Sarah Palin, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's the commonality is fear of women yeah. <laughs> and, and fear of the change of that representation um, and those shifting power lines. Um, and I think we need to all do a better job <laughs> of yeah. being aware of it and not allowing ourselves to get sort of caught up. Um, and I think, and I think to say, speak of this from a specifically Christian and faith-based perspective is that that degree of patience and empathy and grace extended to one another. Indeed. Right. Very true. So there you go, folks. 
Be nice to one another and go see Ghostbusters. Woo! There we go. Uh, we will, you know, I hopefully see a movie again ever and be able to report back on it. Maybe we'll see Star Trek at some point when it comes on the TV. No, that's true. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't need to see the Star Trek. I'm hearing better things about it than I heard about Into Darkness, but right. we shall see. In the meantime, I'm enjoying Stranger Things. And we are both enjoying My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. That is absolutely delightful. Big thumbs up, speaking of, like, smashing the patriarchy. And, like, and dealing with diversity in a yeah? very clever yeah. way. Yep. <laughs> that Yes, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the, the feminist, whimsical, musical comedy yeah. TV show. Definitely gets big thumbs up uh, from absolutely. people. Uh, so it is not, it, it may have some content that is not totally appealing to people of all sensibilities truth it, it wasn't it, it is surprising every now and then when i realize that it's on the cw yeah like can, I, like it makes sense as a netflix show <laughs> right i can see it as much more easily a netflix show but there's is, just occasionally the it, it gets a little blue it does in in weird ways yes <laughs> like it's not full on hbo but it definitely no, like it's not game of Thrones. it's not game of thrones it just goes into some strange it is a directions show, but just every <laughs> once in a while there are, are innuendos and language and references and and just weirdness and weirdness yeah. <laughs> yeah anyway still very enjoyable all right i think that'll do it from us uh from the world of faith family and fandom in no particular order geek out y'all If I were an undead crawler I would break into your house I would break through your windows If I were an undead crawler If I were an undead crawler i wreck all the furniture in your house That you fruitlessly piled up against the door If I were an undead crawler If I were an undead crawler You could run but you wouldn't get far a nice and tasty two-legged meal If I were an undead crawler I'd bite your leg If I were an undead crawler I'd hide in the dark waiting in your yard If I were an undead crawler Very attractive. Uh, I am super hot undead crawler. Good thing this. Did you just snort? Well, maybe. (laughs) Don't they snort? If I were an undead crawler. If I were an undead crawler. We would make a nasty mess. Make a nasty mess of your face. If I were an undead crawler. If I were an undead crawler I would not on all of your pets Especially the cat oh, because it on. deserves it If I were an undead crawler If I were an undead crawler I would savor your remains Maybe suck on an intestine If I were an undead crawler I'd chew your If I were an 
have in store. If I were an undead crawler, there'd be lots of blood and guts and gore. If I were an undead crawler, you know, I don't actually like the, the whole blood thing. What? No, it's just kind of... Why are you only telling me this I now? We're in the middle of a song. I don't really like body fluids. I don't okay. know why you guys are all into so that. So, if you're you sleeping know. and you drool, do you wake up and freak out? Well, you know, I've seen you drool, and that's gross. If I were an undead crawler... If I were... I don't want to be an undead crawler... I would feast on the flesh of the living... I don't even like my steak rare... If I were an undead crawler... But I don't want to be an undead crawler... I would tear out your tongue... You know, I had tongue once, it was gross. Would you just... It was spongy, too. Would you rather be the victim? Maybe I'd survive the apocalypse. They would target you because you are chunky. What? No, I don't think I am chunky. When I am an undead crawler, you I'll rip my flesh. You know, that just makes me all uncomfortable. Stop it! If I were an undead crawler, If I were an undead crawler, you'd still be the first one to die. If I were an undead crawler, ah! <laughs> I'd be brave. <laughs>